I can feel myself getting smarter. I don't even have soup. I found it naked as a jaybird. Just kind of partying from there. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's never excited. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. Please keep your opinions on the catering to yourself. You know, we got married like seven years ago, so if you're getting all defensive about the food that we serve now, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. It's a bit, you know... It just never seemed like the right time before. That ship has sailed, man. <laughs> Welcome, cousin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, this is our belated uh, recap of the recaps. That's right. Essentially, uh, going through various bits and bobs <laughs> from series four of Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Uh, A series which we can barely remember at this point. What? <laughs> uh, well, anyway, before we start dredging up memories... <laughs> Uh, it's time for Cousin of the Week. Oh, good. This Cousin of the Week was never quite the right time to award Cousin of the Week to this cousin, but now it is. Excellent. Uh, cousin Gabby wrote way back in January, Hello, cousins. So, spoiler alert, I have absolutely no life. I'm an actress and a pianist, so basically I sit at home and pretend I have a theatrical career when really I have a career at a stupid retail store. So you can imagine how excited I was when someone sent in a track list for the imaginary Grand Canadian Trunkadelic. No, seriously, I flipped shit. <laughs> By, like, episode five of this season, I'll probably have written lyrics for every single song on that list. So far, I've written four of them to the tunes of other songs, so I thought I'd share them with you guys. I wrote, What Does the Patmore Say? Fake Patrick's Fugue, Salty Putty, and I'm Sorry, But Damn! <laughs> they probably won't be as enjoyable unless you know the tunes of the songs, but oh well. You can probably expect some more unless I get, like, a real job or something. Enjoy, Cousin Gabby. Uh, so we did not get more. Right. Potentially because we didn't respond or award Cousin of the Week. Right. But uh, hopefully... Hopefully Cousin yeah. Gabby got a real job, which would be fantastic. Right. Yeah, so we will post those yes. on the Facebook page yes. so you can check them out. Uh, they're fantastic, and for some reason I can barely remember the way that, uh, what the, what does the fox say goes for some reason? (laughs) Otherwise I'd sing you a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, no, I know. We're done, we're done with that now. It's the internet age. Uh, yeah, but anyway, uh, we'll post those, you can check those out, and thank you very much, Cousin Gabby, uh, for sending those in, and also, congratulations on your job? (laughs) We're just gonna assume you have a job. Question mark? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yes. Series four. It is a thing that happens. A thing that we have already examined in great detail, but it's time to take a look back, get an idea of the big picture, perhaps. Although I'm not sure that the approach I took is the best for the big picture, but... Yeah, honestly, I'm feeling a little intimidated. I Full disclosure, cousin, <laughs> I have been traveling for the last two weeks and have not thought very much about Downton <laughs> Abbey, which I know is weird. Right. <laughs> uh, normally, I think about it a lot, but the last two weeks, I have not, and Tom... Went through and did a whole... I did a whole thing. He did a whole thing, and it really... I don't... 
I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know either. But uh, we're going to we're gonna do it. Uh, know that I have prepared nothing. Right. So I'm coming to this, you know, as the neutral, impartial observer. And Tom is the obsessive weirdo who has <laughs> typed up a six-page Word document well, I just, it's, about I mean, all of the character. A is only five pages. <laughs> B, it's just listing all the characters that, you know, we're, we're reviewing. I, I understand. Uh, I do want to read off the designations, though, because this oh, is my favorite part. Uh, we have the family, pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. Downstairs, also very uh, self-explanatory. Other toffs, <laughs> yes. which is fantastic. Other non-toffs. Right. And Christmas special only. Yes. So these are the five... The five uh, categories. The five categories of person. The five people you meet at Downton. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. Look, these are these are delightful descriptions that he's written, right? Uh, of all the characters. So I, I, think, don't... I think we're gonna have fun here. All right, great. Well, you. Um, I, I sure hope so. You take the lead. All right, you Irish monkey chauffeur, you. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so within each section, I very, very roughly went in order of like social rank, which means that we lead off with, of course, our very favorite character, the Dowager Countess. Hooray! Yes. Um, and so she, the thing about her is that she doesn't have much of an arc, like in general throughout the series, because she's just old and doesn't really, you know, want much out of life. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you know. Well, she wants to die, so she no longer has to play cards with Isabel, <laughs> apparently. Indeed. Right. So uh, what did she do this year? She uh, she tried to help Mary out and where it was bummed. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, she tried to help Molesley get a job. That did not go well. She gave Bates money to give to Molesley, which I had also forgotten about. Uh, she corrects Branson's etiquette when he <laughs> fails to properly identify the Duchess. Uh, oh, the Duchess. <laughs> yes. What a fiend. <laughs> oh, she's coming. <laughs> <laughs> but she's not until other toffs. I know. There's so much pages till then. <laughs> we'll get there, baby. I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we will. <laughs> uh, she got badgered into hiring Piglet. Piglet! Yes. Listen, my contributions <laughs> are just going to be me exclaiming the names <laughs> of characters I had forgotten existed. Right. So we'll see how this develops. Like Piglet! Uh, accuses him of stealing, fires him, is proven wrong, rehires him. Then she gets sick, is nursed back to health by Isabel, plays a very ambiguous game of cards with Isabel, and uh, also learns the truth about Edith, and generally has snappy commentary. Boy, you know, considering how much of this season there was, not a lot really happened when you get down to it. Well, that is, in fact, true. I I mean, I feel like... They got Mary, you know, healed in the first episode. Yeah. And then just kind of partying from there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you look at it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, pretty standard Dowager Countess stuff. I mean, I sort of was like, well, it's sort of what do we want to see from these in the future, maybe, if we if they're characters that are worthwhile. <sighs> yeah, I, I, you know, honestly, and I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I would like to see the Dowager Countess die. I would really be interested, you know, not right. Like well, maybe is... in a Christmas special at the, you know, just mm-hmm. I want to see the family dynamic if she's not around anymore. Right, and that's partly because we are, you know, definitely, you know, in some sense in the home stretch of this yeah. show. I think it's it's be, you know, Julian Fellows seems pretty clear that he, you know, is ready to lay down his burden, Downton wise. 
and so yeah so in in that sense that makes the the idea of her death much more you know palatable because mm-hmm. we wouldn't be missing her for that long and also i mean you know there isn't I mean, there's not much developing she can do i mean she used to be super like conservative or whatever but that really has not been a thing anymore yeah it's been you know she's the only one in 10 years who's changed that much <laughs> weirdly yeah oddly enough despite staying the same age as all of them have <laughs> ooh ooh twist ending huh all right so we get to the end and it turns out they all drank from that spring and tuck everlasting <laughs> all except sybil <laughs> because she was the rory gilmore in that situation i see done and done okay great i was not expecting that crossover but uh, it clears a lot of things up actually tuck everlasting is an edwardian story oh well all right then. so we could totally i've actually never seen the movie I've only read the book. I had the poster for the movie because a friend of mine worked uh, at a movie theater and got it for me. I think maybe I did in like grade school or something. The movie? The movie didn't come out until I was in college. Well, there was a movie. Oh, well, potentially. Maybe it was just like a TV show adaptation, like a Hallmark thing. That may have been. Maybe you're thinking of Sarah Plain and Tall. No. There was was a turtle that lived forever. Okay. And I, I, I believe it was because it was Turtle Everlasting. <laughs> but um yeah anyway uh yeah that's how they've all stayed the same age right meanwhile the children on game of thrones drank from the wrong holy grail <laughs> <laughs> they chose holy <laughs> all right so next in our ranking order uh we get lord grantham Boo! yes here here in this season he coddled mary during her saddened days uh, argued with Branson over estate tax, uh, went through Matthew's stuff, which was not addressed to him, found a letter not addressed to him, read it, complained about it, sent it to Murray, gave in. So that was all pointless. He disses Nellie Melba. Mm-hmm. And uh, her toast. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, gambles away of ton- a, a ton of money, gets no comeuppance, as usual, Complains about Branson, has a birthday, is relatively cool about Jack Ross. That was one positive. Uh, Goes to America, comes back without telling anyone, and helps save the monarchy. (laughs) So just another day in the life (laughs) of our favorite befuddled estate owner. Yes. You know, I think they're, they're starting to dial back the Lord Grantham losing all their money plot lines, like... You know, yes, he still does lose their all their money every few episodes, but it's always more of just like a B plot at this point. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> a get me Hennemore on uh, that Michelin web look. It's just like like every couple of episodes he has to do it, <laughs> yeah. but then it's like he's always bailed out, you know, by a Gregson or a you know a handy uh, you know Prince of Wales or whatnot, <laughs> right? I know. I do love that this is them dialing it back, though. Right. Like, I know. God forbid they drop it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Lord Grantham again seems pretty much set in his ways at this point. Um, you know, I would be interested to see him and McGee have some. I mean, I know they had problems last year, but last year was such a like kind Shit of show. yeah. That's the word <laughs> I was looking for. That I, it didn't, you know, it didn't quite work for me. But then I have no reason to think that, you know, whatever contrivant way they came up to have McGee and Lord Grantham not get along would not also. I don't know. I mean, I'm not super. 
I'm just trying to think. I'm of, not super interested in them having conflict at this point. I don't no, know. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, well, they did have it about civil dying. Right. But like, that's about all I can take, man. Like, I guess I was just trying to think of something he could do that was interesting that didn't involve losing all their money. Yeah, that's pretty much his only function is not losing all of his money. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, siring a male heir, which he's already failed at spectacularly. He could uh, he could become a fascist. Uh, you know, plenty of rich people did around then. I don't think... <laughs> I, no, there's not going to do that. Come on. Not if... not Well... <sighs> anyway. Uh, Cousin Lynette posted a bunch of really interesting stuff on the Facebook wall, I believe. Oh, okay. About uh, anti-Semitism in this time period and okay. sort of how that would have functioned in Britain mm-hmm. and just basically, you know, sort of how that would have affected McGee's social standing and the families. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can't remember all the particulars because That's funny because you said that and I was like, Oh, they should try and work in a Jewish character. Then I was like, Oh, right. Yeah. They- I mean, <laughs> again, it's kind it's apocryphal. Like right. it's not. Yeah. It's not clear. <laughs> right. Uh, although I did, I think Cousin Lynette said something about his name being Isidore Levinson. And again, mm. I don't know if that was ever established because I don't think that it was because that's a pretty Jewish name. Right. I mean, you know, Levinson by itself is. So. Right. But I meant, look, Levinson yeah. by itself, yes. And then Isidore Levinson. No, you're, you're right. So, I mean, who can say? But yeah. I wish they would have engaged with it more. That and McGee being American because Mary's so hateful to her about it. Right. And, like, if that really did put them at a disadvantage and... Yeah. It just would have been neat to see them engage with that. This is, like, the story of Downton Abbey. Like, wouldn't it have been cool <laughs> if they had done this? Well, really, I mean, that's what they ought to do at this point is, like, just the next season should pick up in 1909 and just do all different stuff that's more about their you know marriage and like i don't know 1909 well just before the beginning of the series uh i was just throwing out a year be a prequel about them actually oh yeah yeah i can't remember if that was a rumor or what but Mm. anyway okay we're not even done with what mcgee did so right well, that's, yeah. So, McGee, uh, she hired the hedge witch, uh, and f- forced Patmore to accept a refrigerator. We didn't see much of that refrigerator either. No, we didn't. It's really, you know. There should have been a whole subplot about the refrigerator. Right. That was Chekhov's refrigerator, and it didn't go <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, she supported Mary against Lord Grantham, and also supported Nellie Melba against Lord Grantham. Uh, she fretted a bit about Rose, was a hostess for Blake and Napier, uh, put down the snobby maitre d', which mm-hmm. was fun, uh, although inadvertently kind of ruining their evening. She organizes the bazaar, which is apparently quite challenging, and presents Rose to the king and queen. Uh, well, great. Well done, McGee. Yeah, she was pretty much a functionary mm-hmm. in this season. She was, you know, which, you know, is was always, always sort of her role. Yeah, that's true. She never really has had very much heavy lifting to do apart from the soap and the sibyl. Right, right. Should I do some? Yeah, why don't you... I'm like, why are you <laughs> yeah. doing all the work? That's a good point. <laughs> oh, but I was going to yell, Gilly! <laughs> well, I will yell it. Okay, great. Okay. So Mary is depressed about Matthew dying. She snaps at Carson, apologizes to Carson, is revived, gets named heir to Matthew, uh, wants to help with management of the estate, meets Gilly. Gilly! Goes to London, meets Gilly. Gilly! Again. 
uh, sees Rose meet Jack Ross, turns down Gilly. Gilly! <laughs> fails to evict Drew, hosts Napier and Blake, does the whole Beatrice and Benedict thing with Blake, sees Jack Ross kissing Rose, has a pig venture, breaks up Rose's engagement, finds out about Anna, gets Gilly, Gilly! to fire Green, helps save the monarchy, finds out about Bates, destroys the evidence, finds out that Blake isn't a filthy commoner. So Mary... Oh yeah. I mean she's always been the erstwhile protagonist of the show. So True. she she actually had some things to do, but really uh the pig venture was really the most proactive thing that she did. <laughs> it's true. Well, I mean, she Well, was... that's not true. I think getting involved in the management of the estate, but the pig venture was a part of that. Right. They're her pigs. <laughs> yes, indeed. No, I mean and that's that's what it was taking a, a position as the leader of the estate was you know, the one thing. And then the rest of the season was her trifling with various affections. And busting up the ill-fated romance between Rose and Jack Ross. Like That's true. That should have been more impactful than it was. But it we didn't have. It, we well, didn't get to see their relationship at all. We didn't all. get to see the relationship and it, it was it was just so close. Mm-hmm. Because I you know, I did like the way it was clearly like Rose being you know, Rose Tacular. Bratty and young and yeah. foolish, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, I feel like, you know, Mary had a pretty good year. They <laughs> swept Matthew under the rug appropriately quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, which was nice. Yeah, since they didn't do that with Lavinia. <laughs> right. Lavinia moldered on the carpet for quite a while. <laughs> You're right. That's very true. And yeah, so she was out doing her thing and... And running things and not willing to be submissive or, mm-hmm. you know, retiring, which I think is something she was, you know, potentially willing to be earlier uh, in her life. I agree. I think she's coming to, you know, and again, if we're talking about what we, what, what we want her to do, right? keep stringing all these idiots along <laughs> and just be freaking awesome as a widow. Yeah. I mean, I would sort of prefer her to, you know shut them down a little bit more but that's not her that's not her bag oh no yeah look if i thought that was even a possibility i would say that but that's not gonna happen well yeah and she also, just loves the attention you know and it occurs to me too i mean a she loves the attention and then b when you think about how you know her upbringing and whatever shutting down a potential like viable suitor was never like yeah they didn't get taught that yeah exactly her governess would never have advised her on that one in her formative years. No, and certainly not in the paltry French that she was not teaching them. Yeah, and especially since none of them are going to take no for an answer anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. Why even bother? But um, <laughs> uh, Edith. Oh, oh Edith. Edith. <laughs> She dates Gregson, kisses him in public, mm-hmm. invites him to the Dame Nellie Melba party, signs a document, bangs him, gets scolded by Rosamond, never hears from Gregson, is pregnant, goes for an abortion, changes her mind, wants to give the baby to Drew, goes to Switzerland instead, has the baby, gives it up, comes back, changes her mind, and gives the baby to Drew. Right. All of this should feel more impactful. It should, but... um. It doesn't. <laughs> well, and, and again, it was the, the lack of any ability to decide how to handle the pregnancy. Yeah. And just choosing every option. Yeah. And I mean, and we discussed before, this right. whole thing was just 
it was so promising. Yeah. And then they could have handled it in almost any other way. And yes. it would have been better than what we got. Absolutely. And granted, look, I think Laura Carmichael did a great job. Agreed. I mean, I'm still, I'm weirdly team Edith <laughs> on this, but I don't think it's going to end well for her because Julian Fellows has made it perfectly clear that he thinks nothing good is ever going to happen to Edith. Right. So where does that leave us with yeah. old Edith? It's uh, it's frustrating. I mean, I liked, you know, I liked her interactions with Rosamond, I suppose. That was nice, um, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish Gregson would just come back, like, fake Patrick style. <laughs> or just fake Patrick come back and just like, listen, my amnesia was wrong last time. I actually realized. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm fine with anything at this point. <laughs> just let her marry somebody, for God's sake. Everybody else has gotten to be married, like, six times. I, or Gregson comes back. And has successfully fought off all the Nazis. Nazis are over. Now we're in an alternate timeline from here on out. You're really giving both <laughs> Julian Fellows and Gareth Neem way too much credit. Fair enough. An alternate timeline where they've all had to tuck everlasting water? <laughs> yes. Wow, then the next season could just jump forward like 200 years. That's true. <laughs> Down Abbey. In space! <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> Might be some budget issues there. Uh, you know. Oh, come on. They make Doctor Who in England. <laughs> That's true. It, uh, it doesn't All you look need as- is a green screen. <laughs> it uh, doesn't look as good as Downton Abbey does. Well, that's true. No. So, yeah. yeah sorry, Edith. You're sad forever. Uh, now on to the replacement Sybil, a.k.a. <laughs> Rose. Yes. She helps to hire the hedge witch, goes to a dance, gets in a fight, Turns down a commoner. Oh, my God. I totally forgot that that happened. Right? Exactly. Dances with Bullock. Brings down the haunted grandson. <laughs> meets Jack Ross. Brings him to Downton. Kisses him. Goes boating with him. Gets engaged. Gets dumped. Gets presented and helps save the monarchy. Do you think she banged Jack Ross? We know she's not a virgin. Uh, right. I do. You do think she did? I do think she did. I do think she did as well. I, you know, I don't know. I feel that it was not in a bed and it wasn't any good. <laughs> it was probably in that room where, at the theater, yeah. where Mary talked to Jack. When he was singing that fake song. <laughs> We've all had sex on a green room couch. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Gabby? Um, <laughs> cousins have you ever had sex on a green room couch do you remember who you had sex with on the green room couch if so we don't want to hear your story did they sing jazz <laughs> uh so yeah i you know i do think there's been a certain amount of backlash against rose as the cousin oliver and all this sort of thing but i'm 100 percent oh rose. yeah man look she's you know she's doing interesting things yeah generally speaking you know we think she could really up her making excuses game right uh but otherwise we're pretty much fine with it yeah so yeah no and really i mean the problems we had with her relationship with jack ross had nothing to do with her yeah, it was simply Julian Fellows' habit of not showing us anything interesting that happens ever. Uh, right. Why do we keep watching this show? Shh. <laughs> We've got this whole podcast, that's why. I know. Also, we really do like it when we watch it. We do really like it. <laughs> Listen, no it doesn't denying. sound like it while we complain. <laughs> we really, really enjoy it. Okay. Uh, moving on to Cousin Isabel. Uh, 
She uh, mourns Matthew, refuses Molesley, meddles with the cheerful Charlies, has a moment with Tom and Mary, possibly gives Greta a biscuit, meddles with Peglet, Peglet! meddles with Branson, nurses the Dowager Countess, and gets hit on by Murty. <laughs> Murty! <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Listen, I'm excited about the continuing adventures of Isabel and Murty. Absolutely. Of all the, the things that have been set up for next season, that's... I'm actually... No, because Murdy seems like he might kill himself, you know? <laughs> like, Murdy seems, like, really depressed about his life. Yeah. You know, because he dedicated himself to the old ways. Yeah. Didn't ever like his wife. Then she died. And he was like, motherfuck. Yeah. The one thing I thought I had coming, me dying first. <laughs> right. And she scoops me on that. <laughs> now I'm sitting around eating saltine crackers and jello <laughs> like a chump. I don't even have soup. <laughs> Anyway, we've been enjoying that. Although, uh, I don't know how they're going to keep Dr. Clarkson around. Like, he's now become like the scrappy do of right. Downton Abbey, where you're like, yeah. why? Like, you seem like or maybe like you have the, a function or. The, uh, like the, uh, the Anne on Parks and Rec. Yeah, where you're yeah. like, oh yeah, you were useful, like when there was a war, or when <laughs> right. was dying of eclampsia. Right, like. But now, like, there's mostly, no more epidemic schedule. Yeah, nobody's really dying or anything, so. Right. Well, maybe you could just. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe him and Murdy will fight a duel. That would be honestly for Isabel's affections. Real talk. I'm really hoping that this turns into a Clarkson Murdy Isabel love triangle. Man, because, because I never met a love triangle that I didn't support. <laughs> right, and maybe Clarkson comes across some dirt on Murdy in some way and tries to warn Isabel against it but she knows that he was into her and so it's like she doesn't trust him but he's like I don't like, want Murdy to have things well okay I want Murdy to have things on Dr. Clarkson it could oh, oh well okay but I mean Dr. Clarkson's like he needs to have some kind of leverage or everybody's just gonna laugh at him and shove him in the dirt like <laughs> <laughs> well but it's not like she's nobility or anything well that's true she's just you know this lady with an overbite they let hang out sometimes <laughs> That is true. Speaking of people that aren't really nobility, <laughs> that brings us to Branson, uh, who asked Carson to speak to Mary at the beginning and sided with her against Lord Grantham on various estate management questions, uh, tries to avoid the hedge witch, feels out of place at a party, is kind of raped by the hedge witch, uh, then separates Rose from Jack Ross, is saved from the hedge witch by Hughes, wants to go to America, drives Isabel around, meets the homely liberal, sees Rose and Jack Ross, takes the homely liberal upstairs, and clashes with Thomas. Uh, he also got some champagne for everybody. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he... Uh... What a mixed bag. Like, remember when he was going to go to America? Right? Like, whatever happened to that? Nothing. He was just like, uh, I guess I won't. Except he didn't even say that. No. He just, yeah. Well, you know, he's just Branson. Yeah, and it was like, I, I liked, you know, the development of his relationship with uh, Mary in mm-hmm. particular. That part I'm on board with. But otherwise, you know, just A, the return of the character nobody wanted to see again. I just don't understand that. Yeah. Like, no. <sighs> what? No, man. What Downton Abbey message boards are you hanging out on, Julian Fellows? Not this one. <laughs> right. Although I really hope he's listening to this podcast. <laughs> I also hope Did that. you put ISIS on here? No. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I should she have. She didn't do much. Well, that's true. She hung around, and then she went to London. 
Yes. And then presumably came back. <laughs> We're pretty sure she came back. Yes. She was presented to the king. <laughs> <laughs> he pronounced her his favorite doggy taunt. Lady Isis Crawley. <laughs> no, she's the dogager of Grantham. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, Isis. Yes. Um... But yeah, Branson seemed interesting for a while, but it's why has he become the least decisive character on the show? You know, they tried to like address it where he's like very confused, but like they didn't even get into it enough. And it's like, look, he did cite the, the reason, you know, he's got a little daughter now and he wants right. to like look out for her. But hey, you know, once uh, the revolution happens, <laughs> right. she'll be as well looked after as anyone. Right. Um. It's just, no, it's just, it's, it's not enough. Like, yeah. Julian Fellows makes these huge leaps. Yeah. And it's actually, it's a criticism that I used to get when I first started doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. People like, no, like, these are good jokes, but you're not bringing the audience along with you. Mm. And so whatever internal processes these characters go through to get from point A to point B, I think we do with Mary get that a little bit. But in general, like with somebody like Branson, it's just like, oh, whoop, no, I'm doing this now. And I'm over here and I'm thinking about this. And, right. You know, and he had that thing where he was saying to Etho, oh, you know, we've got to like stand up for ourselves and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, but what does that even mean, dude? Yeah. I mean, for you in particular, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you going to be like, hey, I'm going to take this homely liberal wherever I want? Yeah. Because uh, if that's what you're making your stand on, you can really do better. Right, at remember least make when it you were an ta- attractive liberal. Oh, right, remember when you were making your stand on like independence for your countrymen? Nope. <laughs> now he just wants to date the homely liberal. Ugh. Yeah. And her beige palette. <laughs> That's right. Well, we'll get to her when we get to the non-toffs part of this <laughs> presentation. <laughs> that we will. Uh, but wrapping up the family with the uh, cadet branch, Rosamond, who hosted Mary Rose and Tom, sneakily inviting Gilly. Gilly! <laughs> Uh, she hosts Edith, catches her breaking curfew, and scolds her, hosts her again, finds out that she's pregnant, takes her to an abortionist, tells the Dowager Countess to be nice to her without explanation, then comes to Downton, invites Edith to Switzerland, is found out by the Dowager Countess, and fails to keep Edith from bringing that baby back to Yorkshire. Yeah, so this is pretty par for the Rosamond course. <laughs> it, it is. She's just, she's, she's always just kind of been around. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, she never did anything useful, like have a baby. Right. Uh, no, it's again, when Edith said, are you sure you can take so much time off? Uh-huh. What does she do? Like, it's like, it's like oh, when... Oh, well, my, my judgmentalness is <laughs> very much in demand in London. Like, I just imagine that whenever, you know, the Downton Abbey family leaves, like, her and her whole household just go into, like, suspended animation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe her husband had some business papers that she has to like see to. Right. Which is possible, but I would be interested to know that. You know. Yeah. Was his name Marmaduke? Somebody was yes, named Marmaduke. Yes, I'm pretty sure it was. Because uh, his name was Painswick. Right. Because well, her name is Painswick. Right, right. Um, so by the transitive axiom. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his name was Marmaduke. Well, anyway. What is this? A Donna Tart novel? <laughs> R.I.P. Marmaduke. 
Poor Marmaduke. <laughs> He's just too big for that house. I do have to say before we move on to the downstairs portion, uh, this is actually working out a lot better than I thought it would. So I apologize for poking fun earlier. It is fair because I was actually also very skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, first amongst the downstairs folk is Carson. That's correct. Uh, who speaks to Mary, is scolded and then forgiven, gets hassled about Charlie Grigg, uh, gives it and spends 30 seconds with Charlie Grigg, <laughs> tells Mrs. Hughes about Alice, uh, fails to snub Nellie Melba, is a dick to Molesley. That kind of happened the whole season. Well, right. Uh, eventually hires him, has dumb outing ideas, and then walks in the sea with Mrs. Hughes. Yes. Um, and I wanted to add, too, that when he spends the 30 seconds with him, he does so by first materializing out of a cloud of steam, which is pretty <laughs> impressive. So Yeah. Look, Carson knows how to make an entrance. <laughs> He's got all that theatrical training. <laughs> That's right. You know, you know, you know, Charlie Grigg had to be like, oh, <laughs> he still got it. I, classic Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> They're Charlie and Charlie. <laughs> Woo. I can't believe we've never done that before. <laughs> Likewise, given our respective interests. In the Muppets? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the cheerful Charlies. <laughs> it's funny because neither of the two cheerful Charlies has ever been cheerful for even a second on screen that we have seen them. That's an excellent point. <laughs> and by excellent, I mean excellent. <laughs> Good. You know, again, the whole being a dick to Molesley thing, I just did not. That was just. Carson's always been standoffish. And the Dowager cousin Jackie actually wrote something very early on in the season to that effect where she's just like, I don't understand why the character of Carson has suddenly been changed into this ogre, basically. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. I mean, like, he would get mad if somebody wasn't doing their work. And I mean, like, it's understandable that he thinks Molesley is a buffoon because Molesley is a buffoon. (laughs) Right. But to just deliberately, like, go out of his way all the time like this yeah. is just weird. Yeah, agreed. And the, the well, I mean, from his, like, very first scene where he was with inhuman glee kicking Molesley out on his ear. Yeah. Which, I mean, again, I, you know, at some point you've got to kick the freeloader out of your house. I don't object to him doing that. But just to do it so, like, ugh, Yeah. You know. Bad form, Peter. Agreed. Uh, otherwise, he's all right. You know, and what we hope for him in the future is that he does not have a romantic relationship with Mrs. Hughes. Very much no. We are so serious about this. Yeah. Julian Fellows, if you're listening, A, keep up the great work with ISIS. <laughs> B, don't you even dare. Yeah. Don't you do it. It would be a betrayal. It would be. It would. We'll come to England and kick your poofter ass. <laughs> I know he's not a poofter, but I, I like to call him that. Well, you like to call anyone a poofter when I you know. get a chance. You're a poofter. I'm a poofter. Wouldn't be that hard. Hell, eyeliner could take him, I bet. Oh, man. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> can we have... Can we have the elderly British showrunner celebrity death match? <laughs> that would be so amazing. I want to see that so badly. I have to say the odds are slim on that one. Well, so are the odds of <laughs> Julian Fellows winning. That's true. We could make a fortune. <laughs> Somebody get Don King on the line. Forget Don King. Get Mr. Sampson on the line. <laughs> and Daddy Alsop. Yes. They'll go all in. <laughs> 
Yes. So the other side of the relationship we hope to never be, Hughes, <laughs> gets stuck with the hedge witch, helps meddle with the cheerful Charlies, and uh, finds Anna after she gets raped, keeps it a secret, defeats the hedge witch, <laughs> uh, tells Bates that Anna was raped by a stranger, makes Carson finally hire Molesley already, warns Green, uh, keeps Bates from going to America, doesn't keep Alfred away from Ivy and Daisy, finds out that Bates killed Green, tells Mary, is glad Green is dead, gets Carson to take staff to the beach, and walks in the sea with Carson. Yeah, you know, she actually had a lot to do. She did. She was involved in the uh, the larger plots going on here. She neutralized the hated hedge witch. Yeah. Which is more than you can say for literally anyone else on this show. I mean, she was really much more actually involved with the plot lines than Carson was. She certainly was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whether it's, you know, Nellie Melba, whether it's the rape situation, whether it was even, you know, the whole love quadrangle. Uh-huh. You know, which Carson didn't give two shits about. Yeah, he didn't even know that was going on. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, rightly so. I mean, look, why would you tell Carson anything? (laughs) Yeah. He's just going to get his panties in a twist and be a (laughs) jerk for no reason. Right. Uh, Mrs. Patmore did not barely do anything. She really didn't. She sent Daisy a valentine, is forced to accept a refrigerator, (laughs) mediates the love quadrangle, which is really a lot more work than I think is being given credit for. Right. How, we're not even doing it. We're not getting into that. Yeah. Uh, she shivers all over uh, from the thought of Rudolph Valentino and is proud of Daisy. Yes. Um, and I mean, she had some great scenes. She was a great foil to Mrs. Hughes this yeah. season. Like, it was just, you know, she wasn't, like, she was good all the way through, you know? And and especially the relationship with between her and Daisy yeah. was really just, like, mature in this season and was really nice and... You know, I think credit to both of them for having, you know, let that deepen over the the four seasons. Yeah, well, I mean, two things about that. I do know, I read an interview somewhere, Leslie Nickel and whoever plays Daisy. McShira? Yeah, Sophie McShira. I think. Yes. They get along really well Mm -hmm. and, like, have since season one have been, like, best buds. Mm -hmm. Um, And then secondly... It's neat. I mean, in, it's in, in the writing, I think, that they've become more equals. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they have actually changed. Yeah. Uh, in that relationship, which is not the case in a lot of these relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Next up is the evil nanny. Uh, she cares for the babies, gets caught being evil, and gets fired. Yes. Uh, pretty- te- yeah. That, that was pretty much it. Yeah. I tangled with with uh, Thomas a little well, bit, I guess. Didn't. In there, right? Then there was the good Manny who cared for the babies and has not yet been caught for anything, uh, or really being on screen. And she's you know brought the babies on and apologized for being late or early several times. Well, that <laughs> doesn't really seem like screen time. It's it's not. So moving on. Ah, uh, two Thomas, who uh, resented the evil nanny, was vindicated in his resentment. Gets Baxter hired for mysterious, shady reasons, is consistently mysteriously shady, resents Branson, tattles on him, and potentially loses his mysteriously shady influence on Baxter. Let's not even talk about this. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. We had all this really great character growth and development from him. Yeah. We had that whole subplot last season about him being gay. Right. And it's not like I'm saying that we needed to see him, like, be in relationship but, like, he had stopped being, you know, pointlessly evil. Right. You know, he and O'Brien had fallen out. And, yeah. like, just... 
There was just yeah, it was just a complete lost season for Thomas. So I'm not even against him being shady. Right. But it's like give him a re like what does he want at this point? He's the G D under butler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what what does Thomas want? Yeah. Freud couldn't answer the question and neither can I. Mel Gibson might be able to. <laughs> Bates. That sigh you hear is the sound of Bates. <laughs> so Bates gives Molesley some money, uh, which he gave to him by forgery, just right. FYI. That's right. That's not in here, but I feel it's worth mentioning. You're right, it is. Uh, I had actually forgotten about that forging yeah. being involved. He he lies to Anna about the money, uh, tries to find out what happened to Anna, gets info from Mrs. Hughes, uh, lies to Anna about that, is a brooder, broods, takes <laughs> Anna out on a date of lies, decides that Green raped Anna, lies to Anna about that, kills Green, lies to Anna about that, saves the monarchy, asks Anna for a penny lick. <laughs> uh, so... The overarching takeaway here is that Bates spent the vast majority of this season lying to his wife. Yes. Uh, whom we have been told repeatedly he loves and they are so happy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I just, you know, we've been told before that Bates is a bad person. Like he, by his own admission. Yeah. You know, was yeah. in an abusive relationship with Vera. Right. And uh, can't drink alcohol because it makes him uh, do more than brood. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I just, I don't think that their relationship is healthy. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, it's, it's unclear if that's supposed to be our takeaway. Again, right. in interviews with Gareth Neem, he's talked about, oh, Bates is like this like dark character. But like in the first two series, he is basically jesus christ right. with a he potato was, shaped head right. like he was the incarnation of human decency when first we met him and now now he's like and i mean look, now he's a lifetime original movie <laughs> john bates the scott peterson <laughs> of the interwar period no, death and by it's pie like, the john bates story Uh, <laughs> Piccadilly Peccadillo. Uh, anyway, here's the thing. I am sort of in agreement with Mrs. Hughes in that, like, if he committed vigilante justice for his wife, right. I'm not even that opposed to it. Right. But it is like the const look. If he wanted to avenge his wife's death or hit, he wanted to avenge his wife's rape and kill this guy, and lie to her about that. That I would be fine with. And it's the fact that he lied to her about literally everything that he did the whole season. Right. And that Anna knew she couldn't trust him to, 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 you know, she had to lie to him at the beginning because she could not trust him to respect her wants. Which was to not murder that guy. Right. And, and see, that's the thing. If it had been, if the conflict had been she didn't want to tell anyone because she knew that... Because she knew that there was no way that Green could ever be punished and that the yeah. trial process would be so horrific and all this sort of thing. And then Bates is like, okay, there's no other way forward here. I have to, you know, I have to avenge my wife's honor or whatever. Yeah. But the the problem with the storyline was that sort of the real problems she faced with society in this situation were never addressed. It was yeah. only her personal problems with That's Bates and, and so on. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I would have, um, I would have rather they went a different way because it yeah. wound up not being her story. Despite right. the fact that, again, I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep saying Gareth name. <laughs> But he's like, oh, yeah, we, like, did this whole thing with Anna. I'm like, no, you didn't. Yeah. Like, why are you so stupid? You started to. That you can't see the difference between Anna driving that story and Bates driving that story. Right. Straight off a cliff, I might add. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, just, you know, or even if it had just been, you know, maybe she never told him, mm-hmm. you know? And just sort of what that looks like. I mean, the Americans is doing it right now. Yeah. I mean, and has been doing it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's look, it's not fair <laughs> right, right. to pit the Americans against Downton Abbey. Yeah. In the uh, same way Baby could fight Muhammad Ali. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, just, you know, I mean, like, at least it's done, I guess. Yeah. But, I think, you know. I mean, look, the initial, well, we're not even to Anna yet. Maybe we should wait and talk about this then. Yeah. But. So then I'll just say one thing that I, I wanted to add here was that I like that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was never explained that Green was actually run over. Like, it just, like, Gilly just says that he, like, fell into the street in Piccadilly. And I, just thinking back on that, I was, like, I wish it had been, like, Mary had been like, oh, he fell into the street? And Gilly says, yes. And then that servant of yours shot him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gilly. Uh, next up, we have the various head ladies' maids, uh, starting with O'Brien, who disappeared. Yeah, I only put with her nary in- <laughs> a sight of her bangs. I-, I only put her in here because I was so amused to think about like the ridiculous way that she was dealt with in the first it few seconds. It was really ridiculous. I like how they thought they were so clever, too. <laughs> I know. Like, bangs or get the fuck out. <laughs> That's right. That should have been... It should have just been a shot of, of the bangs. Of the bangs. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Getting on a boat. <laughs> Siobhan O'Finneran uh, has those bangs uh, protected under intellectual property, though, so nobody yeah. else can use them. Well, I'm fucking unions, man. <laughs> bangs unions. <laughs> That's right. The International Brotherhood of Bangs, Ponytails, and something. Mullets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then was replaced by the Hedge Witch. Hired under false pretenses, rapes Branson, tries to get him to marry her, is foiled by Hughes, and God willing, disappears forever. Yes, absolutely. In fact, we're not going to talk any more about her. Hooray. Uh, next up is Baxter gets hired at Thomas's mysteriously shady recommendation. That's really the most unbelievable thing about Thomas is that these people continue to listen to him. Right. But I guess he's right just often well, enough. Well, and it was set up this time that he inadvertently uh revealed the evil nanny that's true anyway but yeah uh passes useless information to thomas uh sews with a sewing machine that's right frets and is given courage by molesley of all people of all people uh her mysterious origins continue to be a mystery really hoping that gets solved i am as well uh because it's like what is your damage dude yeah like, oh, we have to wrap up the rape plot line, but we can't know where the hell Baxter came from? Yeah. You know, maybe instead of, well, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I guess, I guess they're keeping something for next year. I don't know. But it's just, 
maybe Thomas will have left next year. Like, they clearly have no idea what to do with him anymore. The, no, look, Downton Abbey can't get rid of... Look, Julian Fellows doesn't know how to put people on a bus. <laughs> clearly. Yeah. That's why the Hedge Witch came back. That's true. I mean, God, if Gwen wasn't on Game of Thrones, she'd certainly be back by now. <laughs> He keeps writing scenes for, and Gareth Neem has to be like, no, Julian, I told you. <laughs> She's north of the wall. <laughs> uh, yes, so now there's Anna, uh, who tries to help Mary, trades Valentine's with Bates, enjoys the company of Green, is raped by Green, confides in Hughes, avoids Bates, reveals partial truth to Bates, has uncomfortable dinner with Bates, confides in Mary, wonders about Bates, and buys Bates a penny lick. Yeah. She did not do much. She really didn't. Like, she... Her only really big plot line is in a completely passive capacity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again... I'm not talking about the penny lick. (laughs) Right. That was, she was she was the active participant there. She went out, she bought the penny lick, handed it to Bates. Well, we assume once again <laughs> Julian <laughs> Fellows neglects to show us. Now he did show us a lot of that rape. Yes. At least the beginning part of it. And that that's the thing. To start it out so strong right. and give you this really unflinching Yeah. unequivocal that's look right. at what this kind of rape looks like. And then to just, you know, fart noise off into the sunset like that yeah i mean she just you know again what isn't her isn't her like life and story and everything like that more interesting at that point than bates's no nope. apparently not bates is the most interesting <laughs> so yeah we've set our piece on that uh we've got alfred oh god yeah big so much alfred. crap happened that we did not care about <laughs> at all yeah uh, so, yeah, ignored by Ivy, decides to be a chef, studies, takes the test, fails it, is accepted, comes back, Ivy misses him, he proposes, gets turned down, gets closure with uh, Daisy, and becomes an under-chef at the Ritz. So uh, Also, is stupid. He's very, very stupid. Yeah. Yeah. He's the dumbest person. And is he the dumbest? Well, until uh, Accent shows up anyway. Right, that's fair. No, and I mean, with, with Mosley's late season semi-redemption. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. William was pretty dumb, but I like can't even picture William and Alfred separately, you know? No, I know what you mean, but also William was dumb, but like he was like, he wasn't willfully, you know, like he came by it honest. <laughs> yeah. Like somehow Alfred feels like he's been huffing glue. <laughs> like he's like, I can feel myself getting smarter. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta put a stop to it. <laughs> I hated though. I, whenever I think of him, you've always been so good to me, Daisy. Like he would always say that shit, right? And I'm like, you know that sometimes people are just nice, right? Right. Like, just without any common human decency. Yeah. And... I mean, O'Brien is his aunt. Maybe well... he's unfamiliar <laughs> with the genre, but it's like also if you are too stupid to recognize when people have been good to you, maybe. That's not something you should consider in your dealings <laughs> yeah. with them. Yeah. But uh, we seem to be, you know, rid of Alfred, again, only conditionally, as always. God only knows. Well, Daisy's over him, which right. hopefully... Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Alfred's partner in irrelevance, Jimmy Kent, flirts with Ivy, helps out during the fight at the tea dance. I'd forgotten he was there for that. Oh, God. Yeah. 
uh, takes Ivy to the theater, kisses her, reaches up her skirt, is rejected, and pouts for the rest of the season. Yeah. And just, uh. And I like, you know, I like the character well enough. I like his performances. There's just yeah, nothing. Yeah, he was going to be a gigolo. Yeah. And there's just no point to him now. They have nothing yeah. for him to do. I wish he was gay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, anyway, we can't. Well, it's get- like, if you're not going to write anything for him, you know, bring somebody, like, if you have nothing for him to do, let's bring in Madge or somebody. Let Jimmy Kent just hang out Madge in the background. Madge supposedly a rat. Like, there's a woman who plays Madge. No, I know. And I've never seen her. Right. Ever. So I'm saying, you know, free Madge. And then there's Madge. <laughs> oh, Molesley. You came and you gave without taking. <laughs> Gets kicked out of Downton, moves in with his dad, fails to get hired by Isabel or Lady Shackleton, uh, winds up doing manual labor, is offered a footman post, hesitates, is treated like dirt by Carson, gets hired, befriends Baxter, and helps her evade Thomas's mysterious shadiness. Yeah. Uh, and as will start to be the case, we've already pretty much covered him, you know, yeah. in the other storylines. Uh, but we will just, I, I'll just say again, I I actually think he could be worthwhile next year. I'm not holding my breath. Oh yeah. Uh but you know, look, if we've learned anything about Julian Fellows over the course of this podcast is that there's no interesting plot line that he can <laughs> set up that he can't immediately derail. <laughs> like no sooner could you get excited right. than just, you know, ill-advised haircut. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, all of a sudden, you know, just Molesley, you know, falls down a well. Like, <laughs> anything could happen to make this bad. But we did enjoy Zeppelin between, accident. Yeah. Between him and Baxter, we were yeah. we're, we're cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Daisy. She got a Valentine that she thought was from Alfred, but was actually from Patmore. Hates Ivy. Uh, teaches Alfred to cook, hates Ivy, goes to her farm, reconciles with Alfred, enjoys being courted by accent, and rejects him. Uh, once again, Daisy, you own a farm. <laughs> you here, super here. own a farm. I don't think it's that far from Downton. It doesn't seem to be. Can she just fucking have that farm? I don't... Uh, yeah. Look, but, all I want to see is her and Mrs. Patmore living on that farm. That would be great. But, uh, you know, I liked her so much this year. No, and she didn't have much to do, but just... The act, Sophie McShara has just really, like, developed that role and just, I loved how much she hated Ivy. Yes. That was great. Yeah. We also hate Ivy. Yeah. So it was Well, nice. and it's nice to see somebody just hate somebody else and not, like, Have ominously, a- you know, suspect them or anything like that. Yeah. She just hates Ivy because Alfred liked her and not Daisy. Yeah. That's what that's what real hatred is. Yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah. I yeah. mean, in life, when you don't like somebody, it's for some dumb bullshit reason. Yeah. Like just you just they just rub you the wrong way. Yeah. As people, you know, and that's mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's something wrong with it, but it's normal. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Tom Schneider with I'm OK. You're OK. Uh, our final downstairs denizen is the. Very Ivy we were speaking of. Mm-hmm. Uh, who we also hate. Right. And and again, not for any... She's just dumb. Yeah, she's just dumb. Uh, you know, like, way to break up with Jimmy Kent, but otherwise, why do we care? Yeah. So anyway, she got courted by Jimmy Kent, then assaulted, breaks up with Jimmy Kent, suddenly misses Alfred, misleads Alfred, and turns him down again. Uh, you did leave out that she is moving to America. 
Oh, and therefore right. we will not have Ivy to kick around any longer. Oh, excellent! You're right. I did leave that you out. Very. That was, it was really ab- about the last thing that happened on the show. It was, I- <laughs> and she uh, she's going to go off and do that. Right. So uh, you know, don't let the boat hit you on the way out, <laughs> or do we don't give a shit. Yeah, just you're don't come back. Yeah. Perhaps get cast on Game of Thrones. I don't want her fucking up my <laughs> Game of Thrones. She could be one of those seven sisters covered up the whole no, time. No, she couldn't. She's not dark <laughs> enough. All right. <sighs> Look, Indira Varma is in it, okay? It can't be... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't fuck with Dorn. <laughs> Ooh, how about this? Get cast on Sherlock. Okay, yeah, we Sherlock. won't watch that. So, yeah. I don't, are they done? I don't know. I don't know. I keep getting confused. <laughs> anyway. Moving on to the other Toph section, and starting off with the aristocratic pirate, Gilly. Gilly! Who's <laughs> an aristocratic pirate, falls hella hard for Mary, proposes to her, is turned down, goes to Scotland, comes back, dumps his fiance, fires Green, tells Mary that Green's dead, and won't take no for an answer. Yeah, he just was always around. Yeah. Just sort of, like, tagging along after Mary. Yeah. And, I, you know, listen, as somebody who's always had an unreasonable love of Mary, like, how is this, like... How is this guy just willing to abandon everything else going for him and just pursue Mary forever? Like, it just seems like they spent, like, a day together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, narrative economy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. He seems like maybe there's some deep-seated psychological issues going on there, which I'm sure we'll never explore. That's true. So. Yeah. Boy, we, you know, I mean, God knows what went on in his walkabout in the Scottish Highlands. Mm-hmm. No. Well, Green said he'd had a belly full of Heather. Like, is that code for something? <laughs> it's actually a little-known Scottish fact. It's a powerful hallucinogen. <laughs> uh, next, we have Napier, who is enthusiastically greeted by Mary, then forgotten about forever after Blake shows up, and may possibly be a ghost. I would really like to see a supercut <laughs> of him being a ghost. Like... Yeah. I don't know what that means or what it involves, but I I like this idea. Although they do talk about him in the end when they're like, oh, it's too bad Napier couldn't be here to play cards. Like, what? And then they all snicker. <laughs> Nobody misses you. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. See, when he realized he had nothing for Napier to do, he just went with that and left Napier out of the picture when he didn't need him. Yeah. That was well done. Uh, Blake. Charles Blake. Yes. Shows up to work on some government estate ruining project, uh, clashes with Mary, saves pigs, loves Mary, also won't take no for an answer, helps save the monarchy, and turns out not to be a filthy commoner. Yes. Uh, surprisingly little. Now, I do like his chemistry with Mary. I do too. They seem well matched. I do. I mean, I think it's pretty clear which way the wind is blowing. Right. As far as this is concerned. But again, Julian Fellows, <laughs> yeah. gonna throw as many wrenches in the works here as he possibly can. Absolutely. So. Uh, you know, it turned, you know, I, I don't know. He may be Vera Bates's cousin. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, really the only thing I didn't like about it was the way he turns out to be rich so conveniently. Yeah, I know, but, but I mean, come on, this shows all up in, you know, yeah, yeah, it was going to do that, but I, I, I liked Blake. So, uh, next there's Mr. Sampson, who swindles Lord Grantham out of all his money, so that doesn't really distinguish him in any way. Uh, gets it all swindled back by Gregson, who wasn't playing strictly according to Hoyle. Uh, attempts to destroy the monarchy and is foiled. Yes. Has a nice apartment. Yeah. There you go. We liked it. <laughs> yeah. 
don't listen to them. We like your apartment. Yeah. Samson. Gregson uh, dates Edith, kisses her, comes to Downton, gets Lord Grantham's money back for him, grants Edith his power of attorney, knocks her up, goes to Germany, is killed by Nazis. Presumably. Presumably. I just keep hoping he comes back. I know. He's the one person I want to come back. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they certainly left it open. I mean, we never saw the body. Yeah. But I mean, I for- sort of feel like they did that just in order to drag out the storyline for the whole season. I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it does change the dynamic of Edith's decision making mm-hmm. as opposed to if he'd been definitively dead or all this sort of thing. But nonetheless. We'll see. Yeah. Murti! Murti has lunch with the Dowager Countess, is smitten by Isabel, of all people, talks her into going to London for Rose's uh, coming out, and dances with her there. Yes. As we've discussed, we're pro Murti. <laughs> uh, we also have the Duchess, who gives Branson advice on losing a spouse, steals the Gutenberg Bible and several valuable works of art, and can never be caught. <laughs> You know, I completely skipped over that. I know. Presumably so that you could go back and do it because I didn't even see it. Yeah. Uh, but I've just, I wanted, wanted everybody to know that the Duchess is still out there. <laughs> <laughs> she moves in the night like a shadow. <laughs> also still out there. Sir John Bullock. Uh, he comes to a party. He dances, goes to a jazz club, dances, gets shit-faced, and is never seen again. <laughs> yes. See, again, clearly Julian <coughs> Fellows is capable right. of letting people, you know, just abandoning them to their fate. <laughs> I wish there'd been the thing at the end, like, oh, remember Sir John Bullock and he was drunk that time and we thought he could get himself home? Turns out he died. <laughs> <laughs> Choked on his own sick. <laughs> Thieves robbed him blind. They found him naked as a jaybird in an alley. Still very dumb looking. <laughs> uh, Dame Nellie Melba visits. No Sir Claret sings. Yeah, that was kind of an underwhelming cameo by what's her name? Yeah, but I mean, you know, she was there to sing. I know. You know, people love this opera stuff. I guess so. I don't get it myself, but they really do. They needed a Pavlova moment. <laughs> uh, Lady Shackleton, who I had entirely forgotten about, uh, has lunch with DC, witnesses some classic Mosley slapstick, and very understandably doesn't hire him. <laughs> she did have that great line about, you know, it being so terrible. But, you know, <laughs> she hopes he finds work doing whatever it is uh, he's suited for. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Clarkson uh, gets Isabel's meddling engines going again, mediates between her and the Dowager Countess, diagnoses the Dowager Countess with bronchitis, and tells the Dowager Countess that Isabel tended to her and saved her life. Uh, two mixed reactions from the Dowager Countess, but... <laughs> yes, he's he's hanging in there as a character, but... Trying. It's getting, it's getting pretty tenuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Ward MP gives speech, mocks the homely liberal, loses an election. Well done, sir. Yeah. But, you know, good job on mocking the homely liberal. Yes, it was well we done. We had no idea how mockable <laughs> she was. Uh, which brings us to the other non-toffs. Excellent. Farmer Drew uh, goes to his father's funeral, badgers Lord Grantham into not evicting him, gets hired as pig man, knows their ways, <laughs> adopts a random baby with surprisingly little hesitation, promises to deceive his wife. So, so really great guy right. is what we're around. saying. Yeah. He is... He is uh, 
you know, gotten to stay on his land under false pretenses, essentially, <laughs> uh, has wormed his way into the pig's affections. <laughs> My money says next season he just takes over Downton <laughs> completely. He marries Mary. Oh, yeah. There you go. Edith once told me farmers were good kissers. <laughs> I didn't believe her until now. <laughs> Turns out there was a rather bizarre clause in the entailment where if any of my descendants are taken in by a pig farmer, that pig <laughs> farmer shall entail, shall take over the estate. <laughs> it's a curly entail. <laughs> Thanks for going with me on that one, dude. <laughs> it was silly. Mr. Mason doesn't show up right. for forever. Yeah. But he has a picnic with Daisy and gives her good advice as usual. Yes. I just want all... Can we not do a web series of just Daisy's picnics with Mr. Mason? That would be great. That would be great. Any way to get more Mr. Mason going, we will support. Uh, then there's Spratt, uh, who was a, a fun newcomer on the scene this year. <laughs> oh, man. We loved Spratt. Yeah. Uh, threatened by Mosley, sabotages him, mistrusts Peglet. Peglet! And uh, shows people in and out of various rooms. I hope there's more Sprat next season. I hope so, too. I'd like yeah. to see some Dowager Spratness happening. Yeah. I don't know what that would involve. Hard but, to say. Yeah. But, yeah, we it was it was good when it happened mm-hmm. this year. So Then we've got Jack Ross, who sings, rescues Rose from the humiliation of having to walk ten feet by herself, comes to Downton, sings, makes out with Rose, takes her out on the river, takes her to Thirsk, gets engaged, breaks it off. And presumably bones her at some point in there. We believe so. Oh, uh, yeah, we liked him okay. We did. You know, the singing wasn't great, but we know it was, they were trying to like be period or whatever. There's something, His yeah. American accent was, you know, passable. It was, yeah, there's, we certainly heard worse. Um, yeah, I mean, it didn't, it wasn't like offensively bad. Um, or, or no, like we would have we would have liked to see him have a little bit more room to stretch his legs. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, otherwise it was handled. It could have been handled much more tone deafly. Yeah, than it was him being black. Right. Um, no, I think you know overall, like that was just, one of the defter touches. Really, yeah. Was, you know, yeah. was kind of doing this for shock value and him kind of knowing that and you know being a little bit more worldly than she is right so. right no, no was, and that scene with him and mary was fantastic it was yeah no it was uh and you know and he he was you know certainly like charming and charismatic mm-hmm. and everything yeah just a little more time for that storyline and that's the only complaint yep. so credit where it's due arsene avignon <laughs> uh the chef at the ritz course that alfred takes he asks trivia questions for completely unclear reasons rejects alfred accepts alfred yeah all of which are bad choices <laughs> uh the snobby maitre d is snobby gets comeuppance <laughs> old mr mosley gives mosley some advice tugs his forelock to the dowager we well, also chats with the dowager in the uh graveyard which i thought was a nice scene oh yeah that's they become rather chummy yeah no you're right i had forgotten that one Ah, uh, the homely liberal. Boo! <laughs> badgers Branson about his politics, badgers him about his family, badgers him about his social position, badgers him into showing her his house, and looks like a badger. I think that about covers it. <laughs> yeah. Although I did hate when, you know, she was, you know, giving, like, she was razzing him about having to help with the bazaar. I'm like, you're helping with the bazaar. Yeah. And then that made Branson call uh, McGee another beast of burden. Right. And I'm like, you know, she doesn't have to work. Like, she's only embroidering cat pillows 18 <laughs> hours of every day. Like, this is not hard. Yeah. Next up, we have Peglet. Peglet. 
He is meddled into a gardener's job, accused of theft, exonerated of theft, continues poking plants with sticks, may or may not be aware that any of it happened. <laughs> he is uh, a very dull peglet. Yes. He had one facial expression from start to finish. Uh, but he did it well. Oh, uh, yeah. It was fine. Uh, then we have Greta, <laughs> who was offered a biscuit and may or may not have received it. <laughs> Real loose end there, Julian Fellows. <laughs> Greta story <laughs> in search of a biscuit <laughs> Sam Foley who I had forgotten about That's dances right. with Rose while she's in disguise as a commoner tries to ask her out gets turned down coins the term friend zone but is sadly 80 years ahead of his time <laughs> That's right. Uh, presumably dies in World War 2 one would think uh, Charlie Grigg is poor, writes letters to Carson, is ignored by Carson, is meddled by Isabel and Hughes, gets a job, spends 30 seconds with Carson, thus resolving their 30-year separation, and uh, heads off to Northern Ireland, where presumably he will never have any more troubles. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Uh, the Tamworths <laughs> arrive, nearly die of thirst, are saved by aristocrats. Yes. And then finally, ranking lower than the Tamworths, is Green. Uh, who teaches the servants a card game, rapes Anna, is killed by Bates, and yet somehow deserved worse. Yeah, somehow getting killed by Bates isn't as good as getting killed by something else. Like, yeah. Like Mrs. Hughes. Yeah. Or just, you know, he wasn't, you know, his, he wasn't publicly shamed. Yeah. You know, that's the thing about it. Like, it's, it's not, his crime was not publicized and that's i mean and i i get why yeah i mean i don't see how it could have been but yeah right but that's that's what i think when i say he deserved worse i guess that's what i'm thinking of that people yeah, should de- have known what he deserved he did. worse than was conceivable at the time right right this now brings us to christmas special only a special blend of toffs and non-toffs <laughs> that's right all living together <laughs> in a world gone mad <laughs> aka london <laughs> Uh, King George V is presented to, uh, does not care about anything that happens. Right. Uh, he does, you know, he pretends to care. Oh, yeah. He tries to. You know. Uh, you know, adorned by Queen Mary, who's very Queen Mary-like. <laughs> yes. Then there's Eddie, who, uh, kind of hangs out, likes Rose, and shows up at her ball at Dudders' command. Oh, Dudders! Yes. Ah, oh, Dudders. Yeah. Oh, and also snubs uh, Mech H. I left that one out. Yes. Yeah, I realized that even though he's kind of in that last episode a lot, he doesn't really do anything because he doesn't know about the whole letter thing no, at all. No, he doesn't so. know about it at all. Yeah. Alsop, Madeline, is friends with Rose, is thrust at Mac H, enjoys his company, forms an unlikely bond, which we are most heartily shipping. That is correct. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, Mac L... Didn't seem like she was coming back to, you know, she said she wanted to see another London season before she died. Right. Well, I guess she's been there more frequently. You know, she came over for the weddings. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know how often she's willing to travel. But yeah. uh, anyway, Mac H certainly doesn't need her to travel with him. And we're right. very pro, uh, we're pro the Allsop Mac H connection. One thing I'll say is if the Allsop Mac H connection happens, there's your entrance for Ivy getting back on the scene. God damn it. I know. <laughs> you just can't win. Uh, Daddy Alsop pushes his daughter at McH, makes a play for Mikel, is rejected. And one thing we didn't mention about Samson is that Samson is the one 
that tells Daddy Alsop where to. Oh, you're you know, right. Who yeah. is who is Mark should be? That's right. In his con, good point. Because all cons stick together. That's right. Dudders, yay! Uh, she looks after Eddie. Has a letter stolen? A rather naughty letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tells Rose about it and gets Eddie to go to Rose's ball. And it's just generally awesome. No, she was really great. Yeah. I mean, in terms of a minor character who made a very indelible impression very quickly, she yeah. did extremely well. Agreed. Uh, then there's Miguel, uh, who complains, toys with Daddy Allsop, and puts down the Dowager Countess. That was pretty much all she did. Yeah, but fabulously. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Then we have Mac H, played by Paul Giamatti, so points already. That's right. Complains about England, talks about all the pretty girls whose affection he buys, introduces himself to Eddie, is drawn to Allsop, also turns out to like English food. Yeah, who knows? Uh, also exonerated in the Teapot Dome scandal. Yeah, or, uh, you know, at least... Not, uh, if not, not exonerated, in, not, not in prison yeah, or fine. Escapes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and finally, we have Accent, who is obnoxious to everyone, wants to bring Daisy home as a souvenir, and settles for Ivy instead. Yes. So that was the season that was. That was the season that was. And, you know, I find myself with so much, I feel like we had so much more to say about the last season, but that's partly because last season was so much worse. It was. No, I mean, it was kind of a slight little season. Yeah. Considering how much time we spent recapping. (laughs) Right. Um, No, but I think they set up some interesting things. I think they'd be smart to wrap it up after the fifth season. Right. Um, It's just what I think. Because, I mean, there's just not much more story to tell. It doesn't feel that way. I mean, you can see that there wasn't that much story to tell this season, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's and that's with the first episode being recovering from yeah. last season, and they still, you know, were kind of a little thin there at mm-hmm. times. But that said, we really enjoyed it. Yeah, much more so than we did last year, and much more so than might come across on this <laughs> recap, <laughs> right? In our, our nitpicky way. Ah, uh. but I mean, I think you know, I mean, the main thing is that just there were plenty of things we didn't like about it, but just I've, there were things that were so much more train wrecky last year. Oh. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole Branson Ireland thing was about as bad as anything that's happened on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's much worse than him just being confused. Right. Like, at least he has some kind of purpose. Yeah. And, and you know, nobody weirdly died. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's it was a good time. Yeah. Boy, yeah, really. Very few deaths this season. Which is kind of a relief, honestly. Oh, yeah. Like, there were so many. Yeah. Both in, you know, season two and season three. Yeah. I was just, I was all died out. Yeah. You know, I couldn't take it anymore. So that's been nice. Yeah. So we'll see uh, what happens in, in season five. Yeah. it's uh... Well, because I think the thing is, you know, if you talk about season one, that was very much like, it was about being upper class and trying to get married and that kind of thing. And now we've right. kind of come back around to that. Yeah, I mean, and things true. have taken on a little bit more of a tragic cast given previous events, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it's more of a piece with that first season. Yeah, than two and three were. Yeah, so. agreed, agreed. So yeah, we'll we'll see where they go from here. Uh, you know, again, I mean, I don't see that much. They haven't set up that much. You know, there's like murder, like we said, and Baxter, Baxter, but you know, which is fine. It gives them plenty of freedom to you know whatever nonsense they come up with they Mm -hmm. can pretty much go with it so yeah it's a bit of a long wait but that's probably for the best yeah uh yeah so we'll be back with our coverage of mr selfridge in our next episode we're super excited about yeah we're very very excited yes and uh until next time 
up yours downstairs. Luncheon out. <laughs> <laughs>